Welcome to the For God, For Others podcast. Today we come to you a couple of days after Easter Sunday. In today's episode, the Kingwood staff and I will dive into the topic of living the resurrection life. We will use some post-resurrection appearances that Jesus made to his followers. We'll look at those stories and try to come up with some applications to us here in the 21st century. Thanks for being here today. We hope you enjoy the show. Once again, thanks for joining us today for the For God, For Others podcast. I'm joined by Neil, Brett, and David, and we are looking forward to diving into what the resurrection life looks like. You know, guys, uh, we've talked a lot about resurrection life over the last few days with our Easter services, and we've seen a lot of things on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, other places that talk about living the resurrection life. So uh, I'm going to just throw this out there to you guys. When you hear that phrase, resurrection life, what jumps out at you? What, what's the first thing that pops in your mind? What, what is living the resurrection life? What does that mean to you guys as we dive into this topic today? Well, I would say maybe the first thing that comes to my mind is new life. So, uh, you know, if there's a resurrection, then there means that, you know, something has died, uh, and then there's something new that's created. And, and so um, in, in Jesus, there is some sort of uh, new life to be had, um, and, and we want to seek to live that out. As we become Christians, that's exactly what happens, right? We, we're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Um, you know, Nicodemus talks to uh, Jesus there in the Gospel of John and, and uh, says, you know, we know you've got to be somebody sent from God because you couldn't do those things if God hadn't sent you. And um, Jesus has that conversation with him about being born again, you know, a new birth. So, so for you, resurrection life means a new life. Uh, as a stand, standing in opposition of the way we've lived before we came to Christ. Dave, Britt? Um, maybe along the same lines as Neil. Um, I've just been, I guess the thing that comes to mind is, is the way that the winter is kind of passing. You know, I've seen all this new life, signs of new life with uh, nature. And I guess I think about that in terms of what would happen to us if we are, uh, if we die and, or somebody dies and then they come to life again, there are these signs of life that occur, uh, along with that. Um, you know, they just that all that imagery, I guess is, is kind of what comes to mind for me. Yeah. I think that's a great, uh, great point. I just hope the new life is a lot more consistent than our weather is here in Middle Tennessee, right? So we're sitting here today, and it's uh, 70, and the wind's blowing, and a couple of days I think it's going to be down in the 30s again. So, But, yeah, great uh, great analogy there. Brad, anything you'd add to, uh, to, to that discussion? Yeah, I just think with we call it the new life, or you could call it the changed life um, because the old is gone, um, and a new life is a different life. It means that we're not the same person. Um, that we were before when we are transformed. Um, all of these different people encounter Jesus after he's resurrected and it totally changes their life. Um, and so in the same way, whenever we have a new life, it totally changes who we are um, and makes us different people because of the resurrection. Yeah, absolutely. You know, probably the majority of churches preached on the resurrection Sunday. We focused on uh, 
on what that resurrection looks like, what it means. And, you know, I, I used a passage of Scripture Sunday morning from um, Matthew 28. It's the first appearance of Jesus after the resurrection. It's where the women go to the tomb, and they don't find the body, and they're told to, to go on back into Galilee, and, and you'll see him. And, and as they're going there in uh, 28.8, they hurry away from the tomb. It says they're afraid, but they're filled with joy. They ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, verse 9, Jesus meets them. Greetings, he said. And it says, they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Uh, what do you think that scene looked like? What, what does it mean when, when, when the text says they, they came to him, they clasped his feet, and worshipped him? You know, we're in a worship series at Kingwood, and, and, and we think about these, quote, five acts of worship where you sing, you pray, you give, you take communion, you preach and teach. And, you know, the, the high chances are that, that these ladies didn't do any of those things there. But the Bible says that they worshiped at his feet. What, what do you think they did there? Because certainly the resurrection life is a life of worship. So what do you, what do you think the women did there? And just what, what do you make of that passage when you see that? I think they were uh, surrendering to the reality uh, that Jesus is who he said he was all along that that um, you know when Jesus died um, putting him on plane with God the Father um, would be difficult because how, how could God die right but then seeing him resurrected in their mind now puts him as God that, mm-hmm. that it, he is truly God and so uh, I think when we encounter uh, God like that, then our response uh, is worship. Yeah, you know, I mentioned it Sunday, but you know, one of the things that the resurrection does for us is it gives us a God like no other God, because no other God's resurrected from the dead. And as you said, Neil, that puts Jesus on that level playing field with God. He claimed to be part of the, part of God. He claimed to be uh, have an incredible oneness, and, and maybe they recognize that and they they fall at his feet and, and worship. What, what do you guys, uh, what else do you make of that? Well, maybe just a couple of thoughts from that verse 8 where it says they were hurrying away from the tomb and it says they were afraid yet filled with joy. And so you kind of have this, what seems to be two different emotions. They're afraid yet they're joyful. And I'm trying to think, okay, is there any parallel in my life where I felt afraid and joyful and I think about a wedding? <laughs> I think about a baby being born. I think about some of those kind of incredible moments where you're like, I'm not really sure I can, you know, I'm ready for this or I'm not really sure I'm up to handling this or what, what, what is this going to entail or I'm in the presence of something incredible here. And then I think the other thing that just kind of catches my uh, imagination is the fact that they clasped his feet. You know, they didn't hug him on the shoulders or the neck or, and again, I know there were cultural things, but still the fact that they were at his feet would have mm-hmm. meant that they were, they were bowing down, mm-hmm. you know, or they were, um, you know, humbling themselves in the presence of, as Neil said, here's, this is not just another man that died. This is God Almighty. And so, you know, just I, I think that the emphasis in these thoughts would just be the whole attitude and heart that you approach worship and uh, sometimes we get maybe fixated on the the acts of worship mm-hmm. and maybe this 
uh, is more indicative of the heart of worship. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Brady, anything to add to, to that conversation? Yeah, no, I, I agree with these guys. I think it's just, I mean, this is them in total surrender. Like, this is them realizing Jesus is who he said he was, um, and they're never going to be the same again because of it, because they experienced him whenever he was alive on earth, but then after seeing everything he went through and seeing all the pain um, that he suffered and endured that led to his death and crucifixion, um, then seeing him again, I think it's just kind of uh, a wow moment for them. Um, and, man, incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as, we talk, as we talk about this, this resurrection life and what it looks like as we try to live it in the 21st century, we want to uh, look at some of the appearances that Jesus made to his followers, some of his closest followers, his disciples and others, um, and learn some things from the appearance and then maybe make some applications to us. And I'm going to start with, there's several appearances that we could pick and we won't have time to, to dive into all of them, but I want to, I want to pick the one where he, he appears to Thomas. Uh, John tells this over in John chapter 20, and, and he appears, Jesus appears to his disciples there in verse 19 through 23. We read about that. Uh, he stands with them. He says, peace with you there in verse 19. Uh, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Uh, so then this, this appearance to the disciples happens, and now we get to verse 24, and we find out that Thomas was not with the disciples on this particular occasion that Jesus showed himself to them. Uh, so the other disciples in 25 say, we've seen the Lord. And immediately, the very next thing we read, Thomas says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And of course, he is given the, the moniker, the nickname of Doubting Thomas. Um, after resurrection, you know, after we surrender our lives to Christ, do we have moments in our lives that we're like Thomas? Even though we read about the resurrection, we, we celebrate it around communion table, we celebrate it at Easter Sunday, we, we celebrate it in our lives, but are there times that that we have doubts that creep back in, and if so, um, you know what what kind of struggles do we in the 21st century um, encounter when it comes to, to doubts of our faith or, or where we are in life or where we are with Jesus? Give me some general thoughts about Thomas and doubt and how that uh, shows itself to us today. I, I think that doubt is part of the Christian uh, experience. And sometimes we've made that a very negative thing. You know, don't, in other words, don't be doubting Thomas, you mm -hmm. know. And I think that's probably not realistic. You know, here's someone who had, uh, I guess, 10 other, for sure, at least 10 other eyewitnesses uh, that have already seen Christ and uh, in his resurrected form, and they testify to him in unison, or, or at least in unity, that, hey, he's, he's alive, and Thomas is like, I've got to have something empirical. I've got to touch it, you know, see it. I've got to, in my senses, my physical senses have to make me aware of that. And I think, you know, that's part of being, I guess, trapped in a human body. Yeah. You know, there's, the, there's something about the spiritual world that it's hard for us to grasp with our 
um, with our minds, and, and we want to we want to have that proof. And um, you know, I, for me, it's it's still a normal part. Hopefully, it's not as there are seasons of doubt that are maybe fewer and far between, but um, and there are ways to handle those things. But uh, it is part of the human and and Christian experience. Well, I think a couple things that you you said that jumps out when I go back when I go back and look at the appearance to the disciples right before Thomas. This just jumped out at me in nineteen. He says, "Peace be with you," and the very next words are after he said this, he showed them his hands inside. Right. You know they didn't ask to see it, but he he offered it to remove doubt. So Jesus probably understands that it's a human thing, um, and I think it's also important to. Uh, to, to when you read through the account where he appears to Thomas, he never criticized Thomas for doubting. No, he didn't. He never said, Thomas, why? You know, ten guys tell you that I'm alive. Why would you doubt? You know, he just said, here, look. You know, so I think I think Jesus understands that that doubt is that human human element we deal with. Yeah, I mean, even if you look back in the account in Matthew, a little bit further down from where we where where we are. When they meet him in, in Galilee, where they had told him to go, it says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Yeah. In verse yeah. 17 there, right. in Matthew 28. And so, so like, you know, Thomas gets the, <laughs> he gets the, the bad, bad rap. The you bad know, rip. Like, he, he, he gets the, the name that sticks throughout history as this doubting Thomas. Um, but, but really, he didn't get any more special treatment than any of the other ones had, uh, who, who also has seen to at least some of them, uh, doubted. Hmm. And, and I think part of what it is, is that for Thomas and probably for some of the others, and then for us, um, God doesn't always meet our expectations or our concepts of what we think God ought to be or ought to do. And so I think when, um, God allows himself uh, through Jesus to, um, to willingly give himself on the cross to die, um, that, that goes against their concepts and ideas about who God is and, and how God's going to change, you know, fix the world. Right. And, and so, um, so I, I think, you know, for us, um, when, when God doesn't, um, perform the way that we want him to. Uh, he doesn't affix himself to to the image that we place on him. Uh, then then we we have some doubts that that creep in. Yeah. Um, because we want we want him to perform a certain way. We would want we would handle things differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and so um, so I think you know. Like David said, doubt is this normal part of the process as a human being, um, and uh, and and so we're all hoping that you know we kind of you know who who wouldn't want to be Thomas you right. know right. I mean I who wouldn't want to touch Jesus and and have that reassurance right Brad anything to add to. Yeah, I think that um, as we talk about doubt and everything, I mean, it's like these guys have said, it's kind of natural, it's something that happens. Um, But a lot of times we view God as a God that's going to give us things, 
um, and that should give us things. And so we come to God and we want the blessings from God. Um, and so I think a lot of times whenever life goes poorly or whenever we face trials or struggles or temptations, um, then the reaction is, well, if God gives us the good things, he's given us the bad things. And so the reaction is to be negative towards God or to have some sort of um, harsh feelings towards God. Um, and so I think that that's why with this whole encounter, you see Jesus appear to all of them, and then you see him come back to Thomas. Um, and that's why I love what Jesus does once he sees Thomas and tells him, put your fingers here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side, stop doubting and believe. Mm. God wants to help us through those seasons of doubt. God wants to be the provider um, and sustainer for us, and he wants to do it no matter what our season is. And so there are times where in our lives I, I, I need to do that. Like I need to put my hands where those nails were. I wish that I could feel that side. Um, and I think that God even still is saying to us, look, I'm here with you even through this season, even in this moment, even when things aren't, aren't going well or life isn't perfect. Um, and I think that that's why he gives us the Holy Spirit as the great comforter. Um, to know that even if life isn't going well, even if we're having struggles or if we're in a really um, bad season, that mm -hmm. that's when we need him the most and that's when we need to lean on him the most. And so instead of doubting, um, that's when we need to turn towards him the most. doesn't mean it's easy to do, um, but I think that's what, what he wants from us. Right. So we could probably spend the rest of our podcast talking about doubts because we can go a lot of different directions. I, I think it's probably fair to say that... Um, you know, while we may not doubt the fact that Jesus lived, that he was crucified, buried, and was resurrected, there's all kind of doubts that creep into our life of faith as we continue to try to live it. But let's move on to another appearance because we saw that appearance that he makes to Thomas. Thomas has doubts. Some others had doubts, as Neil, you pointed out there in Matthew's account. Um, the next uh, account I want to look at, the next appearance I want to look at, is, is where he shows up when the guys are fishing. Uh, over in John 21, uh, you've, got, you've got Peter, you've got Thomas, Nathaniel, uh, the sons of Zebedee, two other disciples were together. They're going to fish. Or Peter says, I'm going to go fish. And they said, we'll go with you. They get out in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Uh, they must have been fishing where I usually go. I don't catch a lot. So they, <laughs> they, they caught nothing. But then early in the morning, Jesus stands on the shore. The disciples did not realize, realize it was him. He calls out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, you'll find some. It says in verse 6, when they did that, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And I love this, as soon as Peter heard him say it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards um, so a couple things to, to kind of flesh out about, about this. First of all, the life that we live that is we, we're talking about called the resurrection life has to be a life of trust. And here, they fished all night. They've caught absolutely nothing. And somebody standing on the shore that at that moment in time they don't recognize says, just throw your nets on the other side. And the way the text reads, what do they do? They toss it over, right, immediately. They didn't ask any questions uh, they didn't, you know, in this account, they didn't debate whether they should do it. They just, it says they did it and they caught all this, all these fish. So 
Um, as you think about trust in this resurrection life, um, are there some things that are, that, are, that are easier to trust as we walk with Jesus than others? And if so, what are some of those things that sometimes may challenge us in the area of trust? Uh, so give me some, give me some ideas. These were the curveball questions come in. Uh, you know, we don't write all these questions out as we're podcasting. We kind of let uh, the Spirit lead us where hopefully He wants us to, to take us. So, give me some ideas about trust. Well, what's interesting to me here is that they've already seen Jesus uh, mm-hmm. resurrected. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have Peter, and you, you don't really know like why Peter says this, but he's like, I'm going to go fishing. And I heard somebody compare it to like, okay, like uh, if I said I'm going to go play basketball, you all picture like I'm going to go play a pickup game with some people in the driveway. But, you know, when Michael Jordan, after he had had his stint playing baseball, when he said – I'm going to go play basketball. Everybody knew that meant he was going back to play basketball in the NBA. And and so they were saying, you know, is it's speculation, but is Peter saying here, I'm going to go fishing. Is he, he's saying, you know, I've seen Jesus, but like, maybe I should just go back to this fishing gig. You know, like I, this is what Mm -hmm. I did before. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, like, so, um, so maybe there's a little bit a still continuous of that doubt uh, and that, that, you know, not trusting in that even though I've witnessed mm-hmm. a resurrected Jesus, that, that, I, that that's going to change my life, you know. And so he's like, I'm going to go fishing. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I think uh, for a lot of people, um, you know, we come to know Jesus and, and we understand like, okay, he died for our sins. Uh, he was resurrected so that we can have new life and, and all of these things. And we kind of get all of that. And it's kind of, you know, the hype of, of Easter weekend. But then after Easter's over, it's kind of like I go back to, to trusting my old ways. You know, like I, you know, I can do this or I can do that. Or, and and I'm, it's not like I'm going to go be the worst person in the world or whatever, but it's just that, you know, I don't know if, if it's really, um, transforming. So I'm, I'm just going to go do this or, or whatever. Yeah. Other thoughts? I, I think, uh, okay. So your original question, uh, and I, Neil's point's great. That's the first thing that came to my mind too. So I'm a little bit mad at Neil for, for, for <laughs> going that way. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you talked about, Trusting and, and Peter went back and trusted may, perhaps what his you know original occupation or what he was his way of life. Mm-hmm. Okay, <clears throat> so what are some other things that we end up maybe trusting instead of of Jesus? And uh, and it is interesting that it happens after the resurrection because you think that moment would have transformed them. And again. Um, you know, it's easy for us to sit here and, and kind of cast judgment on someone else, but we reflect on our own lives and realize that we get lured away when we're um, when we trust other things too. It could be, hey, things are going really good in my work right now. You know, I'm I'm very comfortable, you know, uh, financially, or my family things are going well, or my health is going well, 
or I'm just in a good place. And then it's, it's kind of easy to start getting lulled to sleep um, and feeling like, well, somehow I deserve this. Somehow I've earned this. Uh, somehow, you know, this is really what's important. And, you know, those are the kind of things that I think we're kind of subject to, to fall back in trust with, if yeah. you will. Yeah. So... Well, that makes that makes good sense, and I, you know another way you look at Peter's situation here is that this is before they've been commissioned to go into all the world and be fishers of men. He's going to talk to him about how to do that later. But one application you could also make from this is the fact that you know after he's a witness to the resurrection, he does go back to life. He does go back to living, and his living at that particular moment in time was fishing. So he goes he goes back, but then when he sees Jesus again, I love I love how the story reads because. The majority of the folks in the boat stay in the boat. You know, they row back to shore, which is 100 yards away, and they got all these, all these fish. Peter jumps out and runs to Jesus, which, you know, you, just, you could just picture Jesus at the shore and Peter just running through there, you know, kicking and splashing, uh, you know, and getting up there to see Jesus to, to be in his presence again. So, uh, so, Dave, what you're saying, though, is that a lot of times we get back into life and we start trusting all the things that we have some control over. And it's hard for us to, to remember to trust in the power of the resurrected Savior. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of the story of the prodigal son um, because that son gets his inheritance, goes off, spoils it, um, tries to trust in all of these different earthly things, um, and eventually gets to the point where he realizes, like, I've got to go back to my father. Like, that's the only thing left, even if I have to do it as a servant, even if that's what I'm going to do it as. Um and when he does, as he goes home, as soon as the father sees, the father starts running after him. Um, and so I love Peter running after Jesus, realizing it's him. Um, and so I love whenever John kind of says, like, as soon as the nets start to fill up, as soon as Jesus says, throw the nets, and it starts to fill up, John says, it's, it's Jesus. <laughs> like, this, there's no other explanation. Yeah. And when Jesus changes your life, like, whenever he shows up, you recognize it. Um, and so it can be really hard to trust all the time, um, especially when we're trying to put our trust and faith in earthly things. Um, but then we have these moments where we just see God's faithfulness and we see God like delivering us and being there for us in different things. And we just have to recognize like it is the Lord. That's Jesus. Yeah. That's God bringing us through that. Um, and so that helps deliver us through those moments and run to him like Peter did. So in this resurrection life, we've talked a little bit about it. it there will be times where we're filled with doubt. We have to, we find ways to overcome that doubt. We get reassurance from from the Lord. We've talked about trust. Uh, it's hard to believe we we just got a, just a couple minutes left. It's uh, this thing flies by when we're when the four of us are doing it. You guys may be listening to it out there and think, man, is this thing ever going to end? But uh, we're just we're twenty seven minutes in, and and there's so many more things I'd like to throw out and and. And explore, which maybe we can do that next time. But uh, I guess so. The third and final thing we'll explore with you here today is is the idea of grace. So you've got some doubts, but you got trust, and then the resurrection life is also filled with grace. And to think about the the resurrection appearance that illustrates that is later in John twenty one, where where Jesus reinstates Peter. Yeah. You know, Peter, you know, Peter jumps out of this boat and runs to Jesus. This is not too many days after. The fact that he said three times, I don't know who you're talking about. I wasn't with him. I don't know the man. Um, and then shortly after this story, you know, Jesus reinstates Peter, asks him three times, do you love me? And 
Peter gives his answers, you know, I love you. And he says, you know, take care of my sheep, feed my, feed, feed the sheep, um, which is a great picture of grace, which is why Jesus was on the cross to begin with. And at the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection life we live, our, our walk is filled with grace. So flesh that out a little bit with me. Just when you hear the word grace and you think about your walk, your resurrected life, just what comes to mind? Grace. I do think it's interesting, you know, um, we were talking about Thomas earlier, and he kind of gets saddled with the whole doubting Thomas thing, even though everybody else doubted. Well, here's Peter, who gets saddled with the Peter denied Christ three times, and, and that was predicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Peter did you know, have a tendency to put a foot in his <laughs> mouth. Um, but everybody else denied him, too. They may not have done it verbally, but they ran away. Yeah, and so there's a probably a special place for Peter um, in this story because of that. And he's obviously the point. But as you think about grace, um, you know, it just seems like everything else doesn't matter as much because of the resurrection. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a point where all the things that have happened prior to this are just so small compared to the fact that here is God himself who's overcome death. And that's that, you know, just kind of makes everything else, the denials, the, uh, the doubts, the trusting in other things, it just makes them seem so insignificant, so much so that Peter was like, I got to go get, get near Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care. I, I screwed up. I messed up. I've got to go get beside Jesus, and, and we got to, you know, it doesn't even say he had a plan. Right. You know, he just he just jumps out, <laughs> and so uh, anyway, I think that's kind of what that's a great picture of what grace is. I don't yeah. know if this can be made right, but somehow I've got to go get beside Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the the just the way that you know God does things. You know, and the in in John and and there's there's two different instances when you look in. Uh, verse 9, it says they saw a fire of burning coals with a fish on it. The only other fire with burning coals is is when Peter denies it. So yeah. there's like this recreation yeah. of this fire. The girl in the um, courtyard and the fire in the courtyard. Yeah. Right? And so, so it's like uh, Jesus kind of creating this uh, opportunity for redemption but it's not going to be uh, Peter that like redeems himself uh, because you can even tell he's like, you know, yes, Jesus, I love you, you know, like he, and so, uh, but instead of Jesus being like, okay, well then why did you do this, you know, a few days ago when you, you deny me, uh, he, he moves forward with, you know, here's what you do now, you know, you love me, then feed my sheep. You love me, take care of my sheep. You love me, feed my sheep. You know, it's it's a um, it's a okay. You know, let's let's move forward now. Let's let's put this into to practice, uh, and uh, and it, and it's this. Um, I think opportunity that that we we all long for. You know, just to to know that um, even when we have messed up. Uh, it's not uh, bad enough that 
that God doesn't still want to use us. Right. Right. Very good. Brett, minute or so left. What? I'll just take a few seconds. I just think that we've talked about doubt. We've talked about trust. We see all these different characters throughout the entire Bible from the very beginning um, that doubt God, that don't trust God. I mean, even the Israelites, time and time again, God delivers them and they turn their back on him. Um, And it just gives me hope that God's grace can cover me because I'm not perfect and I have seasons of doubt. There are times where it's hard to trust that in this moment that God has a plan or that God has something that he's showing through this moment. Um, But we just continue to see God continue to love his people and continue to shower them with grace. Um, And I'm just thankful that he does that to us as well. Well, I think as you were talking there, Brett, something jumped in my mind that it it may be much more um, meaningful in my own mind, but I'm going to try to share it with you real quick. I think for grace to be grace, we have to be human. We have to mess up. We have to have issues. Uh, Otherwise, it wouldn't be grace, right? Because grace is, you know, giving us something that we desperately need, but we don't deserve it. We don't earn it. You know, we don't don't purchase it. Um, You know, so, you know, when I I had those doubts, when I struggled of trust, uh, that doesn't mean I'm I'm out of the out of the arms of Jesus. It doesn't mean I'm away from grace. If anything, it means grace is even stronger because it's it's got that pull coming back. Uh, very quickly, 15 seconds or less each. Uh, any final thoughts? Doubt, trust, grace, resurrection, life. Well, we may need to do a part two because there's probably some other resurrection appearances that we can get into that, uh, and more of the resurrected life that we can get into. So maybe we do that next week. Uh, but any final any final thoughts on it? We wrap up. I'm just thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful um, for the way he continues to bless me um, because there are times where I have seasons of doubt, but one of the main ways that I personally get through those is by looking back and seeing all the ways that God has just continued to be faithful to me. Um, And he's blessed me with so, so much. Like I'm blessed beyond measure, um, and that's all because of God. So I'm just thankful, thankful for that grace. Yeah, and you said it beyond measure. It's just funny. Verse 25, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for all the books that to be written. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. It's a Jeremy Camp song called Beyond Measure, and it's one of my favorite, favorite yeah, songs. Absolutely. Well, we hope that you had a great Easter, and these first couple of days uh, following Easter have been good for you as well, and that, that the excitement of the resurrection that you might have been a part of and, and studied on Sunday, that that will continue to be lived out in your own life on an everyday basis. Once again, thanks for joining us today for the For God, For Others podcast. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. For more about us and more articles and podcasts, be sure to check us out at forgodforothers.org. And also remember that God is for you, and so are we.